0: I'm reminded of, of my dad. My dad's a physics teacher and uh, has been playing with electronics since he was a little boy um, and tells stories of how many resistors you could get for tuppence or whatever it was. I'm not sure what the, what the stories are. But, um, but when my older brother, who plays a guitar at, uh, at the age of 14 or, or 15, decided he wanted to get a distortion pedal. Oops. One of these. A Boss DS-1, anyone who plays a guitar knows these. They, uh, if you want to rock, a, rock out on a guitar, one of these are pretty good. They've got more advanced ones now. Dad was horrified, half-jokingly, but he, was, he said, distortion? You want to pay 100 bucks to put distortion into sound? I've spent my whole life trying to get that rubbish out of the sound and you're going to spend a four, I can give you distortion. cost me a couple of bucks and I'll... No, no, this, this is distortion that sounds good. It's like no, no, no distortion's good. He couldn't get the idea that he wanted to put distortion back into the sound. He's got this beautiful sound of guitar. You want to mess it up by adding distortion to it. And uh, and when we when, when we think about sound, we think of you know a beautiful voice like you know Ross or Cara or Paul singing their voice, and and then we we add a microphone to that to catch that sound, and goes down a cable, or in these cases, it's wireless and we have a sound desk that then sends the sound down a cable and up. And then right at the end, we amplify it. But the amplifier just makes loud whatever's there. And so all the way along the chain, people like my dad, or people who actually do it professionally, work really hard to get a good, clean sound. Make sure that there's nothing, there's nothing in that, that chain that's going to, Muck it up so that when it gets to the final spot of making it loud, you're making something good sound loud. And, um, and if we look at the word, word amplify, it's to make loud, it's to turn up, it's to increase, it's to boost, it's to step up, it's to raise, it's to magnify, intensify, escalate. The idea of, of bringing something, amplifying, is to bring it up. And, um, and when we think about the gospel... It's a little bit the same as that, that chain. We started with something 2,000 years ago. A little baby in a manger. A story that was written down. That was captured. That over time, people have shared. And it's gone. It's been shared with people. And, and the Holy Spirit's energized it. And all of a sudden, something amazing's happened in someone's life. It snowballs from belief to, to repentance to transformation, and then the ability to then amplify that story themselves. You've got this, this chain of events that, that happened um, a little baby 2,000 years ago. That is the reason that we're all here today. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hill, on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In Romans 10:13-15 it says, "For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him?" And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The, uh, the word gospel is actually quite an interesting word because it's from, originally from um, Old English. The, the word is Godspell, um, which I assume where the, the, the theatre production Godspell comes from, I'm not sure. And it means good news or good tidings. Um, and, um, and if we actually look at the original, the word, I'll try to pronounce it, it's eu, euangelion, I think, um, the, the original Greek word, it's where we get the word evangelise from um, through Latin and French, and we end up with the word evangelise. So this concept of good news, a good, good news that we, we capture in the gospel, is actually something that has, has snowballed, has gone on and on and amplified. It's become something that we, our lives, wanna, we, we in our lives want to be testimony to that good news. We've, um, we've got this Christmas story. And, and we've got our lives that are a product of this Christmas story. And I'm sometimes challenged that there's a noise, there's a lot of stuff in my life that doesn't actually reflect the gospel that has transformed my life. And so today I want to look at four characters in uh, Luke's um, account of Jesus' birth that give an amazing picture of the gospel story, of this good news. Um, it's, it's an encouragement to me. As I was reading it, it was like, wow, this, this is the gospel. But it's also a challenge as well to look at the, the noise, the hums, the clicks, the beeps, the, the things that I amplify um, and go, what is it that I really want to amplify? What is it that I really want to Like, like what God's doing at the Andrew Center and Four Cs, and like, what is it that we're amplifying? Um, And um, and these four characters, I think, give a really good picture of what it is to amplify that gospel. The um, the first character is the angel, and we'll read through this passage in pieces, Um, but but we'll start with the angel. The city of David. And you will recognise him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the high in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. What an amazing gospel message that this angel has to bring. To declare the arrival of the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, that will bring great joy to all people. It's an amazing message. And, and I look at it and go, well, that angel could very easily is talking to a bunch of shepherds. They're pretty low down in the pecking order. Couldn't he have been sent to someone important? talking about a little town called Bethlehem that's in the back blocks, that's full of people because of a census, finding a mother who's just given birth in a stable, the potential of making that situation, in the middle of the night, the potential of making that situation a bit of a bummer would be very easy. But this angel has a gospel of great joy. And it's really important, I think, for us to remember that perspective, that the gospel that we are testimony of is a gospel of great joy. I wonder sometimes whether, whether negativity is actually um, a bit of a fashion thing at the moment, um, and maybe it's not just at the moment, but um, it, it seems like being negative is almost the, the norm, is almost the, the benchmark of where you start. And being positive or enthusiastic or, or the idea of having joy is, is a little bit weird. Um, about a month ago, we, um, we were asked to pitch at my work for a piece of work, and, um, and it was a significant piece of work for a significant client, so it would have been really good to get. But right from the beginning, my boss was like, oh, timelines aren't so good on this job. Um, oh, one of the other people pitching is... Uh, is friends with the, the marketing manager so you know we don't really have much of a chance and I really don't like the material they've given us, their logo, new logo and branding is a bit rubbish, I don't like what they've done there, it's going to make it really hard to do our job and, and he just, it, was just, it just kept flowing and I had to stop and say we don't have to pitch you know, we don't, we don't have to do this, if, if it's all a bit too hard, let's, let's not do the work. And he said, oh, oh, no, 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 I, I do want to do, do it. And I said, well, you're giving this impression that it's all terrible. Like we're, we're about to go in and try and get some new business and you're saying how bad it is and we haven't even got the job yet. <laughs> and uh, it reminded me that sometimes we can just have this, this kind of atmosphere of negativity um, And and the angel reminds me that that's that's not the gospel that we represent, that we want to amplify. Now, I'm not saying that we should put on a mask or pretend that everything's just all okay all the time. Um, That's that's not how it is. It's not, you know, pretend to be something that we're not. We have adversity. We have challenges in our lives. Some people um, have some real wrestles that they're going through. And I'm not pretending that that's not the case. When Jesus, uh, Jesus says in Mark 2, 16 to 17, when the teachers of religion, religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The gospel comes out of a broken world. The gospel assumes that things are hard, things are tough, our lives aren't together. So I'm not saying we pretend that things are all perfect, but I am saying that the gospel of hope, of joy, of purpose, it should permeate, should, should um, soak into every circumstance that we live in. Everything that we do, everything that we, we um, experience, challenging or, or celebration, all of it should be permeated with that gospel, with the angel's gospel of great joy. Now, sometimes when you're sick in a hospi- hospital bed, when you've got a relationship that's really hard, um, that's not working, having this gospel of joy is hard. It's not easy, but the reminder that Jesus came, as as the angel said, to bring great joy to all people, is something that I think is really important for us to remember. That last verse, Luke two eight to fourteen says, "Oh no, hang on." I've missed. Philippians four to eight four eight says, "And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing." Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. It's a real challenge that I know in my life, I don't always do. It's, uh, it's something that is, is a bit, bit of a challenge. But having that angel's perspective of good news, great joy to all people, a hope that goes beyond any circumstance... And every circumstance is something that I think is really important for us to remember as we come back to that gospel. The second characters. When the angels had returned to heaven, this is continuing from 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The next... One at a time. The next reminder I've got here is from the shepherds is that, that this gospel is actually a gospel of action. You, um, that We're about to head into um, bushfire season. If a uh, fireman came and knocked on your door and said, there's a bushfire coming, it's just up the road there, how would you respond? Oh, there was a book on Amazon that I was thinking of buying about bushfires. I might... You've reminded me, I might go and look that up and order that. Well, my kid did a, did a, did a poster at school about bushfires. Oh, that's good, I'll, I might pull that out and have a look at that. There's a natural response. Doing nothing to the fireman's call to action is a response. You choose to ignore him, you choose to do something about it. But the gospel that the angel gave these shepherds triggered action. Um, action was the natural response. Now, anyone can have whatever response they want. But again, I'm in, inspired and encouraged by the shepherds. Let's go. Let's see. Let's tell others about what we've seen. Let's go back and praise God about what, what we saw, what we experienced. We're, uh, we're, we're encouraged to to respond, to act out of this this message, this this gospel message. I remembered when I was 11 years old, I'd grown up in a Christian family, so I knew knew who Jesus was and, and God and creation and all that sort of thing. But when I was 11, I discovered the sacrifice that the disciples had made in response to experiencing Jesus. And I looked at the sacrifices they made and the response that they chose to give up their jobs, to give up everything they had. And I went, wow, I want to be like a disciple. At 11 years old, I'd lay in bed awake, what felt like hours, just wanting to burst out of my skin to do something for this, this revelation that I'd come across, that these guys gave up their lives. Now, I'm not sure whether it's historic or, um, or just a, a fable, but they say that 10 out of the 12 disciples actually were martyrs. Um, as I said, I don't know how historical that is. But at that, at that age, I thought, mate, that, to, take what, to take that gospel to that end, that's an amazing action to go out into all the world. and to, Now at 11, I knew I was stuck at school. And if I told mum and dad I wanted to go overseas and share God's word, that they'd kind of say, that's really nice. Maybe one, one other day. So I, I didn't have anywhere to use this en- energy apart from with my friends. But that sense of hearing the gospel and responding like the shepherds did is phenomenal. James 1, 23 to 25 says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. These simple people that socially weren't considered very high up the pecking order, the shepherds, didn't choose their status to measure their response. They responded, they acted because of the gospel that they heard. The third person, as we continue, was Mary. Mary. And we had this passage before in Luke 2.19. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. We often look at, at, at the sensational things. you um, you got, you know, TV advertisements and news headlines that are sensational stuff, but they're gone next week. Does anyone remember what was on the news two weeks ago? It it, it was important then. But it's not important anymore, or at least it hasn't remained with us. I think it's important to remember that the gospel has a deep significance that that lasts. And Mary had a different perspective. She wasn't after the sensational thing. She had just given birth to a kid. That That was probably a very tough situation. But she took it in. She pondered it. She thought about it often. I think, I think sometimes the gospel doesn't necessarily get that sense of reverence and, and awe in our hearts like it could have. That it doesn't, it doesn't just, it's not just a fad that we go through that today is fantastic or useful and tomorrow we're on to the next thing. It permeates through everything. And I think Mary's example of that deep significance that she held on to is really important for us to remember. And lastly, we have a guy. There you go. Psalm 119, 10 to 11. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is just a bridging passage that makes the next part make sense. Luke 2, 21 to 24. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the law, to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. It then continues. At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he would seen the Lord's Messiah. What an amazing response to the gospel. I, uh, I'd love if my tombstone said this sort of thing about me when I die. He was righteous and devout, eagerly waiting for the Messiah. The Holy Spirit was upon him. He was spirit led. And he, he was happy to die in peace, having God fulfilled. Like what a what a snapshot of an old guy that you go, wow! If I'm like that when I'm an old man, I'd be rapt. But his response to the gospel is something that I think is really fascinating because he responded to the gospel before the gospel actually was revealed. It wasn't complete. It it wasn't. He had faithfully been praying and 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 he'd heard the Lord say to him that, you won't die until I start the next chapter. And, um, and that perseverance, that, that Holy Spirit focus in circumstances that, that may or may not be ideal. And in his, he'd grown to be an old man and was still trusting God, still anticipating, still persevering and, and you can see his celebration of that, that perseverance and, and the peace that came out of that. And that prophetic declaration at the end is just amazing. When, um, when I was younger, I used to be all right at tennis. Um, my younger brother was also pretty good at tennis. We, we all played tennis in my family. And he started catching up to me and um, it got to the Currumburra, which isn't a big town, so it's not a big accolade, um, junior championship. And we riddled our way on both sides of the, of the table up to the grand final. And it was me versus my brother in the grand final of the Currumburra 17 and under's tennis championship. And I beat him just, just. In fact, I'm undefeated against my little brother in tennis because I've never played him since. (laughs) That's the last game of tennis I've played against my little brother because he was actually better than me then. It's just that psychologically I kind of had a bit of an edge on him. But he knew in that match that he could have had me. And I knew in that match he could have had me. But to be honest, and this is my confession what a (laughs) cop-out to never play him again because I'm going to (laughs) lose. Maybe, if I put some effort in, maybe I wouldn't lose, but I think I would. Even now, I think he'd be better than me. And I think sometimes, I think of my attachment to the gospel and and my association with that 11-year-old boy that was super inspired that I told you about before. And I hold on to that memory like it's, like it's my gospel story. But the perseverance of Simeon right till the end, till the point at which he said he was happy to die today, isn't a cop-out. He trusted God every day. He trusted God for fulfilling what he said he would do. He didn't cop out and say, I'm not playing anymore. I'm going to hold on to my under 17 championship trophy and think that that that's enough. That's the cheap way out. This guy was prepared to persevere, to keep going, to trust God, even though. He was surrounded by Romans who were kind of taking over their culture and making a mess of things. And, and even the Jewish people were a bit all over the place at the time. They kind of haven't had a prophet for 400 years. It's, it's not looking awesome. And yet he went, no, I've been, I, I know a Messiah is coming and God has revealed that I'm going I'm to be able to meet him. And I think that's something for me that's a real inspiration. That I, I go, I want to I want to persevere like Simeon persevered when it isn't all fantastic. That's the gospel that I want to amplify. And my point with each of these four things is that each of these are aspects of the same gospel. And they're not the whole gospel. The birth of Jesus is actually not the start of the gospel and not the end of the gospel. But it's a very significant piece of the gospel. I think sometimes we can over-intellectualise stuff. We can think about it and it doesn't have a response. And this morning, I don't want us to walk out feeling like um, it's a feel-good story that doesn't require response. But I want us to actually spend this next week wrestling with what it means for us to amplify the gospel wrestling with maybe the parts of the gospel that we struggle with the most. For me, at the moment, I'd probably have to say the gospel of great joy is probably the biggest challenge. But there's also the the gospel of action can sometimes be a challenge for us to wrestle with. The sense of a gospel of deep significance can be a challenge. And a gospel of perseverance can also be a challenge for us to, to own and to amplify. So, while some of you haven't been at school for a really long time, I'd actually like to suggest that we've got some homework this week. You've just finished? Oh, sorry. If, uh, in a minute, I'm going to suggest that we each just spend a, a moment just... Pondering these four areas and pondering which one we might struggle with. Not that we have to be perfect. Not, I'm not suggesting, I think we've, there's been a real strong undercurrent this morning, which has been awesome about how God uses us where we're at. And I'm not suggesting a works mentality where we need to get ourselves right. But I think in terms of our response to that gospel and owning that amazing story, I'm going to take on the challenge this week of every time I think something negative or go to say something negative, I'm going to go, what's the gospel picture here? Seven days. I wonder if I can do it. Every time that I go, they're stuffed up. That's a stupid situation. This is wrong. This is terrible. I'm going to go, hang on. Okay, God. What's, what's the gospel here? And it might be. There's injustice in the world that's stuffed up. And that's, the gospel is that, that there's hope there. I'm not saying that things aren't busted. The gospel of action. When I sense God doing something, seven days, every time you sense God doing something or saying something to you or getting you to respond, what's the gospel here? Do you really struggle just to stop? Do do others not give you an opportunity just to stop those mums and dads? Just to understand the deep significance of the gospel. Maybe your homework this week is to spend 20 minutes a day for seven days just to stop. Go for a drive to a car park if you have to just to stop for 20 minutes a day and just in this quiet, read Scripture. Do whatever God calls you to do to understand the deep significance of this gospel that we've got. Or maybe there's, there's things that you just want to throw your hands up in the air and, and just want to give up on, people that you want to give up on, situations that you want to give up on. Maybe this week there's seven days of just... Pausing and saying, what's the gospel being amplified here? As I said, I don't want this to become an intellectual exercise of this amazing gospel that we don't wrestle with. And so um, as Paul plays, I just really encourage you just to quiet yourself. Don't pick all four, just pick one. Just pick the one that you wrestle with, that you, you find hard. And just say, Lord, I want to be a testimony of your gospel. I want to be that joy. I want to be that perseverance. I want to be that man of integrity and action. And so for the next seven days, this one. This is the one, that, I, if, if that's what the Lord says to you. I want to work this together with you, with the Spirit. Let's do this together for the next seven days. So just spend a moment by yourself. Just to, just just with the Lord. Amazing good news story, Lord, that started with creation, but as we approach Christmas, Lord, we're reminded of this this event that happened 2,000 years ago. This good news, glad tidings testimony of your love and your grace and your mercy and your compassion your desire to give up your Godhead to be a human so that you could know us so that we could know you we thank you so much Father for that gospel Lord it's why we're here It's that gospel that your spirit has implanted in us. Lord, we want it to be a gospel that we amplify, that we shine, that we reflect like it has been done for us and to us by those faithful that have gone before, Lord God, and shared your word with us. And Lord, we don't want to be noisy. We know that our lives have noise and and pops and distortion and bits and pieces, Lord, but we want to amplify your gospel, Lord. Lord, this week, this next seven days, Lord, will you work with us, Lord, by your spirit, that we might be amplifiers of that gospel that transformed our lives.